0: Thanks for joining us for our preaching podcast for the Point Church, Alberta campus. We believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. We pray that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. If you've got your Bibles, I hope that you do. Would you open them up to the book of Nehemiah? chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, we are in the heart of a series which we've entitled Rebuild. And in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at how God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and rebuild the faith of God's people. Now, up until today, up until we come to chapter 8, almost all of Nehemiah's time has been spent with the walls, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. So in chapter 1, we saw Nehemiah in the court of King Artaxerxes, serving Artaxerxes. And we saw him receive word from his brother on the state of the walls in Jerusalem, on the state of his hometown, basically. And we saw him mourn, and then we saw him pray. In chapter 2, we saw him go to the king and petition the king for permission to go and for funds to to provide for the travel and then travel to Jerusalem. And we saw him survey the walls in secret. In chapters 3 and 4, we saw him rebuild the walls of the city itself. uh, And we saw some of that opposition come up. In chapter 5, we saw Nehemiah deal with internal problems, problems within the people of Jerusalem. And then last week in chapter 6, we saw Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem try to distract Nehemiah from the work that God had laid on his heart. And that leads us to chapter 7. Chapter 7, which we're not going to cover, we see the wall get completed, and then we see a list of names. And what it is, is it's, it's groupings by families of everybody who had been in exile who returned to Jerusalem. And then we find ourselves now in chapter eight. Nehemiah chapter eight. And as we look at chapter eight, we're going to see revival break out in the city. Now we're going to see their faith life addressed. But before we do that, let's pray. Let's take a moment to ask God to, to lead us, to guide us, to, to shepherd us as we follow Him, as we look to His Word. Let's do that. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this this text in Nehemiah that, that is over 1,500 years old, 2,500 years old, years and years and years that has been preserved for us. Father God, as we look to this text today, as we study what happened so many years ago in Jerusalem, would you speak to us? Would you give us a fresh word? Would you get Josh out of the way and get a message to your people so that we can live for you? We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray, amen. Now, as, as we look to chapter eight, as we begin this, uh, I know there's some folks that are kind of type A and want to know the points. I'm a, I, I've told people in the past, I'm kind of a mutt when it comes to being a Southern Baptist, so I don't always have like three alliterative points. Today, I've got one big point for you, one big idea for you, and, and as we're looking at chapter eight, I want this to be in your mind the whole time. And here's my one big point for you. When you read and understand God's word, it will change your life. That's it. That's that's my one point for you today. Uh, When when you read and understand God's word, it's going to change your life. Now, let me show you how I got that from chapter 8. And as we're looking at chapter 8, as we go to look at these first few verses in in the text today, I want you to see that, that as this story in chapter eight begins, it begins by people reading God's word. Starting in verse one, Nehemiah records, and all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. On the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Now, as we begin to look at this first kind of paragraph in today's text, I have a couple of observations that I'd, I'd like to make. And the first is that the people gathered together. It was the first day of the month, of the seventh month of the year, and this was actually kind of a holy, commanded gathering. Leviticus 23, 24 commanded that in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a solemn day of rest, a memorial proclaimed with blasts of trumpet, a holy convocation. Now, this isn't a special feast day, per se. It's not a celebration day, per se. Rather, what it is, is a day to pause, and rest a, a day to respond to all that God has done through you up to this point in the year so the people have paused and they've they've gathered together and then they ask Ezra to bring out and to read the word of God and as we're reading our text today, you, you may have noticed that there's kind of multiple titles for Ezra. We see Ezra called Ezra the scribe, Ezra the priest, Ezra the priest and scribe. And I, and I don't want those details to, to knock you off guard because if, if you're kind of a nerd like me, you read that and it's like, well, is this one Ezra, two or three? How many Ezras are there? It's a common name. The fact is there's, there's actually just one. This is all the same guy. And if you were to go back to the book of Ezra to chapter seven, the very beginning of that chapter kind of reads out all of Ezra's credentials. And the reality is this man was entitled to both titles. He was both a priest and a scribe. He, he studied the law, but I don't want that to distract you. Instead, the detail that I want you to focus on is who Ezra was talking to, who Ezra was speaking to. Verse two says that Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all could, who could understand what they heard. That's a detail that we need to notice. You see, Ezra wasn't just talking to the men, although he could have. He could have gathered just the men of the community and speak to them. He could have gathered just the men and the women and all of the adults together and gathered and spoke to them. But he didn't. It says that he gathered the men and the women and all who could understand what they heard. And what that means, that little phrase there, what that is, is that's referring to their kids. That's referring to all of the children who were old enough to understand what was being said, to comprehend what was being said. They were expected to participate in in the gathering of the faith community. You see, the word of God is not just for adults. It's for all of us. The word of God is for, for adults and kids. It's for grandparents, it's for parents, it's for 20-somethings, it's for teenagers, it's for preteens, it's for tweens, it's for kids, it's for toddlers. The word of God is for all of us. It's how we know God. It's how God has chosen to reveal himself to us, how God has revealed his will to us. That's why it's so important that we read God's word. It's why we read it in the corporate gathering. We read from Ephesians chapter two today because hearing God's word proclaimed in the gathering is important, but it's also important that we read it in our private lives. God's word is for all of us. Donald Whitney said that there simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of scripture If we would know God and be godly, we must know the word of God intimately. And so Ezra got up before the people and he read. He he read for half a day, for six hours. He stood there and read. Now let's be honest, how many of y'all are glad I'm not just reading from the Bible for six straight hours this morning, right? We wouldn't make it over to get breakfast or lunch, whatever's after this, right? But Ezra wasn't alone in the task, task. It wasn't just him. Take a look, starting at verse four, it says, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maaseah on his right hand, and Padeah, Mishael, Milchajah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, Mishulim on his left hand. And as I read off that list of names, I've got two observations for you. First, how many of y'all are glad that it's me that had to read the names and not you, right? Those names are insane. Who names their kid Meshulam today? Like little Meshulam, I, nobody. Okay, that, that joke didn't land, my bad, sorry. I'll move on. But seriously, serious, serious note here. If you're like me, you see a list of names like this, you might be inclined to ask, who are these people? Who is it that's, that's standing here with Ezra? And those are good questions to ask. But the reality is we just, we don't know for certain. Some scholars think that they might have been priests or Levites. Some scholars think that they may have have been the religious leaders of the community. The problem is textually that doesn't really work out. That's not the textual norm. What we see in the Old Testament is that whenever you see a list of priests or Levites, it usually will just say straight up, these are the priests or these are the Levites. In fact, we're going to see that in verse 7 of our text today. No, the more likely answer is that these are names of lay leaders within the community. These are just important members of the community who have gotten up to help Ezra with the reading of scripture. And that is a significant thing we ought to note. Because what Ezra is doing is he's showing that there has been a change in their faith community. He's, He's showing that that boldly proclaiming God's word was was for all the people, not just the priests, not just the Levites. All of God's people needed to read and know God's word. So let me say it again. God's word is for all of us. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the deacons. It's it's not for the adults. It's not just for the highly educated. It's for all of us. So Ezra and, and these 13 men, they get up and they read the word of the Lord to the people. Take a look now back at verse five. And Ezra opened the book and in that day, it actually would have been a scroll. Books weren't, had, hadn't yet been invented, but he opens the book inside of all the people for he was above the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Now the, the standing is just a sign of respect. They're standing up out of respect for God's word. This is the word that has been given from God to the people. And so they stand up. And in verse 6, it says that Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And and so what we're seeing here is we're seeing God's people worship. They're, They're standing up in awe of God, and then they're worshiping before God's word has even been read. But this wasn't just the reading of God's word. You see, they also explained God's word. Take a look, verse seven. We're gonna see 13 more names. Yay, me. Also, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Acab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maaseah, Kelida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, Peleiah, the Levites helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, They read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. So they didn't just read the law. This wasn't just them reading the law. They're they're trying to explain what it means. In a lot of ways, what these, these Levites were doing is what I'm trying to do right now, to help the people to understand what was going on, what the scripture said, and what they meant. And as we consider that in light of this big idea that I've given you, that that when you read and understand the word of God, it will change your life. As we read it in in light of that, there's an important takeaway that that I think ought to encourage us. You see, the people needed help to understand. They they didn't understand it on their own. Sometimes it's hard to understand God's word, amen? Amen. Yeah, right? Like we read it and it's like, what is this saying? And what we're seeing here is that that's okay. Sometimes it's gonna take work to understand God's word. There are a lot of reasons why that might be the case. Maybe it's a language issue. Your Bible was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Does anybody in this room speak or even better yet, read Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek? Anybody? One? Okay, hey, you're a better man than me, right? Most of us, no, not the case, but we need help, right? So we need help with that. We get translators and that's why we have translations of the Bible. And, And many scholars think that's what's going on with these people here. These, you see, these people had been living in exile for 70 years in a foreign country. They wouldn't have been speaking Hebrew as well as they maybe should have. They would have been speaking Aramaic and the texts that they were reading were in Hebrew, And so the Levites were helping by translating the language. And like I said, we need help of translators too. So so we have different translations of the Bible. I'm teaching out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. Many people study or, or read the NIV, the New International Version. Others read the King James Version. Each of these translations, each of them is working to take that original Hebrew, Greek,